When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible X-Fi gateway. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. From karaoke contest to a new NXT champion, days away from Extreme Rules, what on earth is going on? Let's find out. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Man, I know we're in a pandemic, but I got to get some stuff together. Just as I'm sitting down to do this show, I realized we're at episode 299. (laughs) I got a week left before episode 300. There is absolutely nothing planned for episode 300. Hopefully I can change that all for you. Can you believe 299 deep? Welcome to the 299th week of Not Sam Wrestling. Hope you're starting your week well. Lots to talk about, you know. I swear when all this started, I was convinced I was going to be doing watch-along shows. I was going to be doing, you know top 10 wrestlers named Rick. I mean, where do I go? Rick Flair, Rick Rude. Probably have to come up with some more Ricks after that. But wrestling has lived on. Wrestling maintains, and so does not Sam Wrestling. So welcome to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to episode 299 of Not Sam Wrestling. I said Rick Rude because I have my Mattel Rick Rude. I got a Chase version, by the way. That's going to piss a lot of people off because I didn't pay for it. Mattel sent it to me. They sent me a case, so I didn't know what was in it, but I ended up with a Chase version of the Elite Rick Rude. So, in your face, everybody. Big announcement came down. Speaking of Mattel, I think, I want to say July 22nd, July 23rd. I don't know exactly what day. Maybe the 26th. Whatever day Comic-Con is, I think it's the Thursday or the Friday of Comic-Con. Of course, Comic-Con is happening at home uh, this year. You know, they're not bringing a whole bunch of people into San Diego for it. So Comic-Con is happening at home, but they're still doing a lot of their panels and everything. Of course, the Mattel WWE panel has been a part of Comic-Con for the last 10 years. This is the 10th year of Mattel making WWE figures. This year, as finally, finally a member of the Elite Squad, I've made it in. I will be the host of this year's Comic-Con panel. It's happening at home, but that way, it's actually a good thing. I mean, it's a bad thing for like, I don't know, 150 people that it's not happening live, but it's a good thing for literally everybody else that Comic-Con is happening at home because now you get to experience it the same way everybody else does uh, at home. Um, I think I, I posted the info over on my Instagram over the weekend, so definitely be a part of that, and I'm sure I'll be. I'll have an opportunity to plug it. Maybe on the big episode 300. I'll have the opportunity to plug it. So uh, today, I wanted to talk about uh, a couple of things. You know, we spent, by the way, a good deal of time on the Thursday, Not Sam Thursday show this week, the Patreon-exclusive episode talking about championships, uh, talking about the new United States championship title, talking about my top 10 favorite championships. So that whole conversation has been had. Uh, If you want to be a part of it, it's over at patreon.com slash Wrestling. But... You know, I've been saying on this podcast uh, for, I feels like a couple months now, that with what we're living through right now in this pandemic, what wrestling companies need to do is go way outside the box and just get people talking. Like, oh my God, like if, if, if we're going to stay on and we're going to stay on live, let's do something different, man. Let's get super creative because we can't do everything that we've been doing and expect it to work in the same way. Obviously, things aren't going to work as well because you've taken out a huge element, which is the audience. And there's been some of that. There's been hits and misses. Um, I think for the most part, the stuff that has gone creative and the stuff that has gone, I guess, theatrical is the word for it. I feel like it's been successful, you know, and not just in WWE. I feel like AEW's stadium match was super successful, but I feel like in WWE, all for the most part that I can think of, all of the theatrical matches have been super successful. 
WrestleMania started the trend with Firefly Funhouse and with the Boneyard match. Uh, the Money in the Bank match I thought was successful. Ciampa and Gargano on NXT TV. I still count the greatest match ever as a theatrical match just because there were so many elements added to it. Um, you know, I don't have them all written down in front of me. This is just coming off the top of the head. But, you know, I for the most part, they've been, they have not disappointed. I'll say that. You know, like I will, I know, you know, will I go back and watch a whole bunch of matches where it's either an empty arena or half a dozen people watching it from the performance center. You know, I don't know if those will go on my all-time list of matches to rewatch, but all those matches I just named, I'll rewatch the money in the bank match that happened in Titan tower for sure. You know, I'll rewatch greatest match ever. I'll rewatch both of those WrestleMania matches. One of them I had to do a 45 minute dissertation on, on YouTube because I was so excited about it. You know, I think that that's, that's, taking a negative and and turning it into a positive. That's saying like, okay, let's show them what we can do with our backs up against the wall. Uh, I think that we got a great example of, because people are, I feel like people are talking more now than ever. And even if they aren't, even if they're talking at the same rate, it's still a lot of people talking. New Japan is just starting to get their shows back in front of crowds. Uh, and they put, and again, I'm not, an expert on New Japan Pro Wrestling. The reason I talk about WWE so much on this podcast is because that's what that's what I've spent. Those are the hours that I've clocked, okay? I think if you're going to think of yourself as an expert on something, you better have 10,000 hours clocked. And I know over the course of a lifetime, I have watched over 10,000 hours of WWE. That doesn't make me an expert in wrestling because I haven't spent 10,000 hours wrestling matches. That makes me an expert in being a WWE fan. I am an expert WWE fan because I've spent 10,000 hours or more being a WWE fan. I don't think I've spent 10,000 minutes watching New Japan. So I'm no expert. But what I do know is what gets people talking. And what I do know is when I wake up Sunday morning and there's a whole bunch of people, some of whom are New Japan fans, but a lot of whom I never hear talking about New Japan that are all talking about what happened at this show, that evil shocks the world by not only winning both the IWGP heavyweight and intercontinental championships from Naito, but Dick Togo is now his manager and he has joined the Bullet Club, which clearly... I believe New Japan is starting to ramp up Bullet Club again as a brand. You know, I feel like people, Bullet Club branched off, became really about the elite. You know, the original Bullet Club was big. Prince Devitt, Gallows and Anderson. It was huge. Adam Cole comes in and takes over. Still huge. The Young Bucks come in bigger than ever. But once Adam Cole leaves... Kenny Omega comes in. I mean, and I'm not saying this is the uh, uh, chronological order that it all happened in. I'm just, you know, throwing the facts in as I see fit. But my point is that once the elite, Kenny Omega, Young Bucks, those guys, separated themselves, Marty Skrull even at the time, from the Bullet Club, you know, Cody coming in. But then, you know, real quick in that era, the elite became almost its own beast. And you had... Jay White and the boys doing the Bullet Club in Japan, but that was kind of a shell of what it used to be. And then the elite come over to AEW, and obviously that's the end of their association with anything Bullet Club related. And so Bullet Club has been on the back burner. I think that New Japan is uh, is certainly doing everything they can to amp that brand back up. I think they see Gallows and Anderson as free agents now. I wouldn't be shocked if something uh, is going on there. But my point is that New Japan did something extremely unexpected, theoretically risky, and just something that got everybody talking. They made a dramatic move and put a new star, who's been in New Japan for a while, but they put this new star in this high position that could be a risk. You know, they've been building, there are certain guys that they've been building all these years. And they could just keep them there in those safe spots. But instead, they're constantly reintroducing people. 
they're constantly bringing new people into that space and going like, okay, this is the guy now and let's go. And it's got everybody talking. And I think that's my point first and foremost is it's got everybody talking. And that to me is what wrestling needs to have. And they're, everybody is not talking about what's going on with American promotions right now. And that's not just WWE. It's just not on the tip of everybody's tongue. The conversation about wrestling has degenerated. The conversation about wrestling has gone back to the where we were in, in the 90s. Not the late 90s when it was cool, the early 90s when it wasn't cool. The conversation among non-fans is the Tom Segura conversation where we're talking about fake and real and goofy and, and, and we're, we've gone back to wrestling. That conversation wasn't happening when wrestling was mainstream. That conversation wasn't happening in the late 90s, even into the early 2000s, because it was cool to like wrestling. Now, it's not that it's not cool to watch wrestling. It's not, it's not uncool to watch wrestling, but it's not the cool thing to do. I think in order to make it the cool thing to do, you have to have those conversations happening all the time. You have to have stuff happening where I can go to my friend, my family member, whoever it is that is not a wrestling fan and go, you got to check out what I was watching. I have to be able to turn on the TV and explain what I'm seeing to a non-fan without turning red in the face. And can I do that when it's a karaoke contest? I don't think so. Especially when I'm like, wait, it's going somewhere. And it's like, oh, it's going into a Lacey Evans-Naomi match. Was that the only way you could have gone there? No, that's probably pretty low on the list of ways that you could have gone there. Look, man, I was actually asking, I think just last week, where is Naomi? You know, I, I think that when you look when you look at what's going on, I think you've got Sasha Banks and Bailey as the two best acts. I guess it's one singular act, right? The Sasha Banks Bailey act is the best thing on WWE TV right now. And I think there's no reason why I, I, I think I think the Sasha Banks versus Asuka match is maybe as I'm looking at extreme rules, which is only days away. Sasha Banks versus Asuka, for me, is the most anticipated match. I would make the argument that Sasha Banks versus Asuka should be main eventing that show. Extreme Rules. You've got your bar fight. You've got your swamp fight. You've got your eye for an eye match. Then you've got Apollo versus MVP, Bailey versus Nikki Cross, Drew versus Dolph Ziegler. I would, I would argue that Asuka versus Sasha Banks is the match that should be main eventing. I think that that's the match that people are probably going to care about the most. But I think that that says a lot to add to, to what Asuka's doing. I think it says a lot to uh, what Sasha Banks and Bailey are doing. But I think it also says a lot to the women's division as a whole. And, and I feel like there is still just, there's something blocking that creative muscle from pushing through that division. There is no reason. I mean, first of all, I had multiple problems with the karaoke segment. Number one, why are these four women doing it in the first place? I actually thought it was a, a, a good spot for, I don't know if that was Jay or Jimmy Uso. I really, I can't tell them apart to tell you the truth. Either Jay or Jimmy Uso, I thought it was a good spot for him to tell you the truth because he's a great host. Both the Usos are tremendously entertaining. So if you've got stuff like that for them to do, I'm never going to be mad at that. Um, I was surprised at how good Lacey Evans could sing and got all the words. Uh, I thought Naomi did exceptionally well as well. That's kind of a no-win scenario for anybody to be in, and I thought Naomi uh, uh, was very, very good. I thought all the ladies uh, knew all the lyrics to the songs that they were singing, which was even more shocking to me because then it felt like the fact that all of the women knew the lyrics to the songs that they were going to sing, and even like Dana Brooke had a costume ready, that means that some planning went into this. That means that, uh, that it wasn't just a last-minute thing that they're like, oh, you know, I know this is bad, but I, we just need something at the last minute. 
Like, no, they, they sat on this for a while and decided to do it. Um, my first, I mean, and these problems are in no particular order, but one problem that I had with it, and it goes beyond the idea of, it doesn't really take any of the competitors seriously. It go, and I guess that, all right, let's list some problems. It doesn't really take any of the competitors seriously. Um, you're left in a spot where, like, you couldn't tell a story between Naomi and Lacey Evans. You don't think there's a story that could be told there other than, I really thought that I had that karaoke contest in the bag. Like, Naomi should be sitting there going, you have to be kidding me. I made an entire day glow outfit. I can dance. I can fight. I can wrestle. I am popular. And now you've got me doing karaoke. And I don't mean Naomi should be backstage saying this. I mean, Naomi should have stopped the karaoke. The character Naomi should have stopped the karaoke contest and gone like, you can't be serious. This is what you have me doing. This is what you have us doing. Like, Naomi should, as a character, should have been the one to call out what's going on. Because Naomi can say that this is ridiculous, and her performance in the ring and as a character can back up the fact that she shouldn't be subjected to that. I mean, I think that would have been amazing. If you sat there and you got us on the hook and you had people like me for like five, six, seven minutes, maybe not seven, five or six minutes, watching Lacey Evans going like, okay, she's doing with my baby tonight better than I thought she was. You know, I figured she wouldn't know the lyrics or something, but I mean, even when she messed up that last lyric, she saved herself. Okay, I mean, I guess that's that's something. Where is this going? And then you watch Dana Brooke, and then you watch Tamina, and you're going like, this is going nowhere. And then Naomi reflects the feeling that we, the audience, have. When that feeling that we, the audience, has is not reflected on television. A connection is lost. Because there's no way you're connecting with that segment. And you could go like this. You could go like this. Okay, Sam, you're taking it too seriously. You're a man in your mid-30s. This is a family show. And I'm like, first of all, it's like 9.15 at night. I guess it's Friday, so maybe the kids can stay up later. But if it's 9.15 on Friday night. Like we can we can do something that's more adult than lady wrestlers doing a karaoke contest. But okay, all right, fine, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll go with your point. It's a family show, Sam. Don't take it so seriously. Just let it be what it is. Okay, so you're saying that the karaoke contest is more like the kids will like it and it's a simple story you can get into it. Okay, all right, cool. What kid knows the Honky Tonk Man's theme song? You went down that row of women and you did... Jeff Jarrett's theme song, not his theme song, but the song that he performed in 1995. So either you were watching In Your House in 1995 or you listened to Comrade Tom Conrad Thompson podcasts. Those are the only two ways you would know that song. Okay, that's the first one. The second one is Honky Tonk Man's song from like 1989. The third one was Time to Play the Game, which, yeah, okay, Triple H still comes out to that music, I guess from time to time. But realistically, Triple H hasn't been an active competitor in years. Call it five years. You have to have been watching wrestling actively for at least five years to really connect with that song. And then we end with an American dream. And it's like, yes, there is no way that a person is going to be on this podcast and ever disrespect the contributions of the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, one of the greatest of all time. And you don't have to be watching wrestling long to know Dusty Rhodes and to get Dusty Rhodes. But when you look at the career of Dusty Rhodes, the American dream song only reflected the polka dots portion of that career. And the polka dot portion of Dusty Rhodes career is his WWF run from 1990. None of the music was current. And that is a bigger statement about the branding. Like, why aren't, do you think in 1995 they would have had 
you know, Alundra Blaze and Bertha Faye and Bull Nakano go out there and perform the theme songs from WrestleMania 1? Super, super, super fly. No, no. That's the one thing that the new generation got right, is they actually put the emphasis on the current talent. You know? If you want to do karaoke contests, that's fine. But you got to have music that represents superstars from today. Even if it's, you know, Dana Brooks should be up there with an orange wig on going, it's a shameful thing that about that. Okay, too many limes, too many limes. That should have been Dana Brooke up there. And, you know, I don't know what Naomi could be up there going, uh, I hear voices in my head. Like, there are songs. There are songs. Randy Orton's back on TV. You can use Randy Orton's music. You can even do the big show. At least he's on Raw. But I mean, to have three out of the four songs be 20 plus, 25 years old, 20, 20, yeah, 25 years old, more in some cases. It's 2020, guys. 25 to 30 years old is how old those songs were. And trust me, I love all of them. But I'm a man in my mid-30s, okay? I grew up with them. If I was a, if I was 16 watching that, I'd be rolling my eyes. I didn't care about the old guys when I was when I was in high school. I liked the new guys. Get get Lacey Evans to sing Alistair Black's song. You know? I mean, at least give me, give me something within the last 10 years. But what that segment didn't do was it didn't get people talking. There are, I mean, WWE is not, it's not like they're striking out. I mean, I'm just bringing up what's going on right now. Like, I think that, I mean, I think that the Jeff Hardy, Sheamus thing from this week, like it was a 30 minutes in, with the match and the promo and the whole thing. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a repeat cycle now with Jeff Hardy and Sheamus. But the first the first, one of the early, the thing that they did three weeks ago with the car accident, I thought that was brilliant. I love that. That was the type of thing where you're like, oh, that's when you start tweeting. This is going on, this is going on, this is going on. I mean, we go back to like the Lana Lashley wedding. And while the storyline did was not ultimately successful, that segment I think was great. And that segment was successful because that segment, people were on fire on Twitter. I remember that I didn't have the show on because I was going to bed and figured I would watch the rest on DVR. And then I start looking at my Twitter and I'm like, oh man, I got to turn this segment on because everybody's talking about it. Same thing with that car accident scene. You know, it was so involved and there was so much stuff going on that everybody's talking about it. And, it, and, it, and you're on Twitter and you're scrolling through and you're like, oh, everybody's talking about SmackDown. Let me see what's going on. But it, you're not going to get that with a karaoke contest that leads into a match that ultimately doesn't matter. Because the foundation of the match is just two people that didn't like each other in karaoke. So, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I, I was, uh, yeah, that segment, uh, it disappointed me on, on multiple levels. And I thought that it showed that Naomi and Lacey Evans specifically have a lot of performance ability in them. Because they both actually did well based on what the parameters of the segment were. They did well. It made me go like, oh, those two. And this is not to take anything away from Tamina and Dana Brooke. But those two are out-of-the-box performers. Like, those two are great performers. But they got to have some, some meat on the bone. There's no meat on this bone whatsoever. You know, for Naomi to just be gone and have nothing going on and then to come back and her... Biggest thing is that she's mad that Lacey Evans is mad that she won a karaoke contest. Like, I don't know, man. Like, for instance, on Raw, they had a segment last week on Raw that got everybody talking. It was the Heath Slater segment. Heath Slater coming back. Heath Slater looking different, looking all big. And 
delivering a great promo that felt real was like, yes, this is what I want. When I was watching that, no part of, there was no part of me that goes like, I could change the channel and just flip back when this is done and not miss anything. I was like, I got to see what's happening here. I'm, and not because I'm interested. I want to know. That's the type of segment that if I'm watching and the TV's on and my wife is watching, I can go shh, 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 shh. And then she can watch and go like, oh, I guess I understand why I was shushed. If, you know, Dana Brooke is singing the Honky Tonk Man's music and I go to my wife and I go, shh, 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 shh. My wife is going to watch that TV and she's going to hand me divorce papers after that. Are you crazy? You just shushed me? Because you want to see Naomi sing Dusty Rhodes music? Where is this going? I'm like, I don't know. It's going someplace good. And she's like, it didn't go anywhere. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right, Jess. You won on this one. We have to have those shush, look what's on TV moments. That's what you need. Every moment needs to be a shush. It either needs to be a good match, which, again, I don't think that these shows should be match heavy. Or a segment where you can realistically shush somebody and they would get why. If they were in the same room as you. Uh, I thought that Keith Lee versus Adam Cole uh, was the probably the best match. I mean, definitely the best match on TV uh, of the last week. Uh, those two knocked it out of the park. Keith Lee winning both titles. A lot of two, two title champions in wrestling right now. You've got Bailey. You've got Keith Lee. You got Evil over in Japan. That's the new trend. I don't mind it. I'm interested in seeing what happens in NXT with Keith Lee. I talked about this a little bit on Patreon, but I definitely think that the North American Championship uh, needs to be removed from Keith Lee. Uh, I think maybe in some kind of, uh, we crown a new North American Champion via Battle Royal. Maybe <coughs> maybe a Battle Royal with the final four people in the in the match doing a fatal four-way for that title. Um, but I think no tournament, and I think we separate the titles just because it's the only other singles title in NXT. Um, but I think that I think that with that match, you got a nice bump to Keith Lee. I think that Keith Lee ends up being back in the position or close to it that he was in in November and then in January. I mean, this is what you're looking at, you know. In November, he's at the Survivor Series, just cleans house, gets the big dap from Roman Reigns, gets the respect, gets the nod. Keith Lee is your next guy. In January, he gets the face-to-face -face with Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. Maybe something would have happened. If we had had a proper WrestleMania weekend, maybe something would have happened with Keith Lee, but we didn't have that. However, we fast-forward from January, and we go to July. Six months later, Keith Lee holds all of the singles championships that NXT has to offer in his weight class. Granted, he's not the cruiserweight champion, but I don't think that Keith Lee is 205 or under. So Keith Lee now stands undisputedly on top of the NXT universe. There is no conversation to be had. Keith Lee is the number one athlete in NXT. And I think that that's where you should be with a guy like Keith Lee. I think that, that NXT... And some of it is just because it's the nature of the beast. But I think that uh, NXT does a very good job of turning talent over and doing what we were talking about with, with New Japan, finding those guys and putting them in a position where, okay, they're the guy. You know, you never really know when you're going to see an NXT title change. But when an NXT title change happens, and I'm talking about for the NXT championship, when the NXT championship changes hands, it's a big deal. Look at Adam Cole. You're talking about a 400-day reign. And even when it's less than 400 days, even when the title reign is not that long, every title reign really counts, whether it's Drew McIntyre, even Andrade. That was a big deal when Andrade won the title. Bobby Roode's title reign was a big deal. And then you go back and you go through guys like Finn Balor and you go through guys like Kevin Owens and, and, and even Samoa Joe, Shinsuke Nakamura. Like, when NXT has a champion, they are the champion. Tommaso Ciampa, you know? 
They are defined by the title. The title is defined by them. And there is no confusion as to who the top guy is in NXT. And there is no confusion today as to who that top guy is. And I love that we found a way because after the last takeover, the conversation was, oh, well, maybe Keith Lee versus Karrion Cross is your next match. And I said that that was not the next match, but that was under the presumption that Keith Lee was the North American champion. I said that Karrion Cross is not, is not being positioned to be a North American title challenger. He's being positioned to be an NXT championship title challenger. You do not get a clean victory uh, and a dominant one at that over Tommaso Ciampa and then move on to the North American championship. You move on to the top prize in the game at that point. And I think it is it shows the balls of NXT that we can see what they're doing. There's no secret about it. We saw from the crow's nest, carrying Cross looking in on Keith Lee. And it shows you the fact that NXT, and it's not just because guys are getting called up to the main roster, because not everybody's getting called up to the main roster. Finn Balor is still on NXT. Johnny Gargano is still on NXT. Tommaso Ciampa is still on NXT. Adam Cole is still on NXT. NXT has a deep roster of talent that are established to the NXT audience. But instead of going to that deep roster, it is very clear that your next NXT championship rivalry is going to be between Karrion Cross and Keith Lee. And I think that is what keeps pushing NXT forward. That is what keeps people watching NXT. Do I still think NXT needs to uh, develop more story going into what they do? Uh, yes, I do. But the fact that now we see the wheels are moving, the fact that it feels like an evolving beast. The fact that it feels like as of last Wednesday, we are entering in to a new era of NXT. And that this Wednesday, I will be watching because I want to see what that era looks like. There's no part of me that thinks, oh, Keith Lee has the title right now, but it's still Adam Cole's time and it's going to go back to Adam Cole. No. I watched that and Keith Lee won the match Fair and square, clean, center of the ring, fireworks, confetti, the whole deal. When I tune in on Wednesday night, based on what I've learned from watching NXT, it truly is a new era in NXT. This is the Keith Lee era, and I'm excited to see what that means. Now, there's another question mark when we ask, what does this mean? Now we have to ask, what does this mean for the Undisputed Era? Particularly, what does this mean for Adam Cole? Now, depending on what internet website you read, there's a hundred different plans. And some of them Vince is loving, and some of them Vince is turning down, and some of them the Undisputed Era guys are turning down, and some of them have to do with the pandemic, and other ones have to do with the competition. And Guys, if every story imaginable is out there, Maybe nobody really knows what they're talking about right now. It could go in a lot of different directions. For me, I think that if I'm sitting there and I'm going like, okay, what do we do next? If I'm sitting there looking over, if I'm in the Vince McMahon seat, not even the creative writer for one particular show, but the Vince McMahon seat of going, what is best for the overall product? For me, if I'm paying attention to NXT, I don't think that anybody in the Undisputed Era have anything to gain by sitting around NXT. I just don't. I think that the Undisputed Era had their peak when every member of that faction had a title. They controlled the organization. And if the Undisputed Era is to hang up their hat on their time in NXT, that's their legacy. If we don't see the Undisputed Era in NXT again, their legacy becomes that picture. The picture of all four members with gold around their waist. That is what the legacy of the Undisputed Era will be. And they will go down as the most dominant faction of NXT. They will go down as the horsemen of NXT. Um, you know, I think the longer they stay, the more time they have to screw up the legacy. I think that, you know, the Undisputed Era doesn't need to be any place where they're not the best. That's what is supposed to be undisputed. What is supposed to be undisputed is that it's their time. And it has been their time for the last 400 days. 
But the era is no longer undisputed. The era is, it's Keith Lee. It's basked in. It's the era of basking in glory. I'm going to bask in Keith Lee's era now. That's the era. It's not, it's, it's not their time anymore. So what do we do? Do we break up the undisputed era? I say no. I think that uh, I don't. I think that the the sum of all of the parts is greater than the value of the individual parts in the undisputed era, and that includes Adam Cole. I think that when you look at Adam Cole, I have said from the very beginning, and you guys know what a fan I am of the undisputed era. The undisputed era and the members of the undisputed era have a history on not Sam wrestling. I have interviewed Adam Cole countless times for this podcast throughout the different stages of his career. I interviewed Adam Cole when he was first Ring of Honor champion very early on on this podcast. Go back. All 299 episodes are still all available for free on, on, on this feed. You can go back and search Adam Cole. You can find me interviewing him uh, when he first won the uh, Ring of Honor championship as he's leading to a match uh, with Jay Briscoe. You can find me interviewing him as a member of the Bullet Club alongside the Young Bucks. You can find me interviewing him on the balcony in a motel in Reseda, California before Pro Wrestling Guerrilla. You can find me interviewing him as the NXT champion. And I believe you can find the only sit-down interview, long-form sit-down interview, with all four members of the Undisputed Era. That happened here on this podcast. I believe in the Undisputed Era. I am so high on them as a group. I think that they are cool. And that is that is something that is rare and that is something that you need to cash in on. The undisputed era is cool. You you just you want to do the boom. You want to say bay bay. You want to wear the t-shirt. And you want to represent the colors black and gold. The colors black and gold. It's not a coincidence that the Undisputed Era and NXT have the same colors, black and gold, because they are synonymous. I think that the Undisputed Era must stay together. I think there is no reason to turn the Undisputed Era, quote, babyface, because the Undisputed Era gets cheered anyway. People love the Undisputed Era anyway. The Undisputed Era is not... I mean, technically, I guess they are the heels, but they're not traditional wrestling heels in the sense that you boo them and you want the good guy to win. Like, you might boo them because you're supposed to boo them, but nobody is paying a ticket to see Adam Cole get beat up. They're paying a ticket to watch Adam Cole's match. If it's Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano, even if they want Johnny Gargano to win, they want to see the match more. So I don't think that there's any reason to turn them because if you turn them, then they're not being themselves anymore. They're being something a little different. And then you could be screwing up a formula where you've got four guys that equal cool. The other thing here is specifically, I think Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish are, are guys that you wouldn't necessarily think are definitely going to get signed by WWE, especially when they did. Maybe now, yes, because... Now it's, you know, if you can if you can build a strong name on the independents, you can get to WWE. But back then, their style of wrestling was not conducive to what WWE was doing. Um, and, you know, we see that when people get to the Raw and they get to SmackDown, sometimes those styles just don't work over there. Other times they do. Sometimes they do not. Do Bobby Fish, do Kyle O'Reilly, even Roddy Strong. What do they do on the main roster? You know, I don't know. But I do know that the Undisputed Era as a whole fits on the main roster. We're talking about doing things that will make people talk. I think you've got four guys. You've got a great name, by the way, too. The Undisputed Era. You've got a hand gesture. You've got a theme that people can sing along to. You've got t-shirts people want to wear. You've got everything that you need to have the next cool faction that you haven't had in a long time. But in order for that to exist, I think you need to get it out of the NXT universe and put it in to the WWE world. I think that... The Undisputed Era does not serve to disrupt NXT because the Undisputed Era defined NXT. 
You can't disrupt what you define. But if you throw the Undisputed Era, who represent NXT to a T, onto Raw or SmackDown, now they're disrupting that culture. Because now they're not just the Undisputed Era is here. But because they're not changing their style, they're not changing their way they talk, they're not changing who they are, you get the feeling like it's an NXT invasion. The Undisputed Era can represent the changing of the guard. The Undisputed Era can sit there and represent, look, you know the style of wrestling that happens on takeovers that's different than happens on WWE pay-per-views? That's what WWE is going to look like in 10 years, in five years. And we're here to make sure that that happens. That's the disruption that the Undisputed Era can represent on the main roster. And for me, here's how we get there. Their swan song has been sung in NXT. We don't see them on Wednesday. We just we don't we don't hear from NXT from from Undisputed Era on NXT again. We don't have an official Intercontinental Championship match signed for Extreme Rules yet. I think that uh, we go with uh, Matt Riddle versus AJ Styles. Now you could sit there and say, well, you know, the seeds for Matt Riddle and Baron Corbin have been planted, and while that's true, the seeds from Matt Riddle and AJ Styles have also been planted. And, you know, I don't. it doesn't serve anybody any good. At some point, I'm going to have a whole thing to say about Baron Corbin because I've got a lot of thoughts about Baron Corbin. It might be next week. But it doesn't serve Baron Corbin or Matt Riddle any good to have Matt Riddle versus Baron Corbin at the pay-per-view and have Matt Riddle beat him because it, 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 now we're just in a cycle. It does, however, serve Matt Riddle if he goes, look, I beat the Intercontinental Champion on SmackDown. I'm ready for my match. And we go to Extreme Rules, and we have AJ Styles versus Matt Riddle. And we have a great match between AJ Styles versus Matt Riddle. But you really want to turn everything on its head? You want to do stuff that you don't see every week, every month, every year? Stuff you just don't see anymore in WWE. During the Matt Riddle-AJ Styles Intercontinental Championship match, 20 minutes in. I mean, they're having a classic to the point that you don't know who's going to win. To the point that you could easily see this being Matt Riddle's crowning moment, but you could also see AJ Styles being the guy who's like, hey man, I'm AJ Styles. Nobody beats me. Only to have it interrupted and have the entire Undisputed Era run in, unannounced. Nobody even knew they were going to be there. The Undisputed Era interrupts the match and beats down Matt Riddle and AJ Styles. And they don't talk. They just flash the UE symbols. They go backstage. Maybe they do something for .com, for YouTube, where they just say the Undisputed Era is here. They're just talking amongst themselves. They're joking around. But they're, they're talking as they're walking out of the Performance Center. And they just say, hey, we made the leap. We're out of full sale. We're at the Performance Center. The UE is here, baby. Ha, 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 ha. We got him. We got him. We got him. Friday night comes around. AJ Styles and Matt Riddle are in the ring. What are the under? Maybe they're not both in the ring. AJ Styles comes out. I want to know who these NXT guys are. I want to know who the, here comes the Undisputed Era. Hey, we're not NXT guys. We're the Undisputed Era. We're the future. AJ, we're everything you were supposed to be. We're here to usher in the future. We're here to usher in change. We're not here to do what you did and just get a cushy paycheck to, to roll out the last couple years of your career. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's start getting real, okay? Let's have Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly sit there and say, yeah, we're here to stop SmackDown from karaoke contests because we're here to make SmackDown undisputed because we're undisputed. And they do this whole thing where it feels real, where we're calling out. The Undisputed Era is calling out the things that have been bad about SmackDown. And it ends up with AJ Styles versus Roderick Strong. For, I almost said Matt Riddle. Roderick Strong for the Intercontinental Championship that week on SmackDown. So a week from Friday, AJ Styles, Roderick Strong, AJ loses the Intercontinental Championship to Roderick Strong. Now, and, 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 and of course, the Undisputed Era interfered, right? 
So now AJ's pissed. Here comes Matt Riddle. He's pissed. You know, they're 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 they're, they're upset. They're upset about the whole thing. This happens in the first hour, by the way. This is how you end your eight o'clock hour. Is is Roderick Strong beating AJ Styles for the Intercontinental Championship and just a melee with Matt Riddle. He doesn't like AJ Styles, but he also doesn't like the Undisputed Era. The Undisputed Era is just helping their guys out. You know, it'll be great. It'll be great. And that's the last you hear from these guys for the episode. Braun Strowman went to uh, Extreme Rules. He beat Bray Wyatt. So he gets in the ring. He cuts a promo about Bray Wyatt, right? 9.57 rolls around. We got three minutes left in the show. All of a sudden, mid-promo, where Braun Strowman is only talking about Bray Wyatt. He's talking about Bray Wyatt, and that's it. Here come the Undisputed Era, and they beat down Braun Strowman. Whoa, what are we seeing here? I thought the Undisputed Era were involved in AJ Styles in the Intercontinental Championship. Now the Undisputed Era are also involved in Braun Strowman, and here's what you have, okay? We've been talking about the problem with Braun Strowman is that he's not vulnerable enough. He's a good guy, so he's not holding the title hostage, but he's that big. We need to feel like his title could be in danger in order to support him. Hey, guys, I hate to interrupt the show, but it's really your fault for allowing yourselves to listen to a show with interruptions. This show exists with no interruptions. Did you know that? You could listen to Not Sam Wrestling completely ad-free, and you could do it before anybody else gets to. All you have to do is be a Not Sam shill. Yes, become a Not Sam shill at patreon.com slash Wrestling, and for less than $1 a week, you get every episode early and ad-free. You get a bonus episode every single Thursday, a second episode of Not Sam Wrestling, and you get access to our Discord room where you can talk to fellow Not Samsonites, fellow Not Sam shells about wrestling and whatever else is on your mind 24 hours a day, seven days a week without all of the toxic sludge that is a part of social media. Plus, there's so many more benefits available at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. You can watch every podcast get recorded live. That Every show is live streamed at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling when they're coming direct to you from the Not Sam studio. Every video that we post on YouTube, you get early. There's exclusive merch only available at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling and so much more. Sign up today. You'll also get access to the Zoom meetings that we have. Before pay-per-views, we all get together and we jump in a Zoom room and we talk about wrestling. You can have access to that too if you're part of the right tier of Not Sam Shells. Join today at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. What if AJ, uh, 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 Adam Cole puts him in danger? Well, how's Adam Cole going to put him in danger? Adam Cole's a small guy. Yeah, but you stack all four members of the Undisputed Era on top of each other, and they're three times the size of Braun Strowman. That's what you do. How is Braun Strowman going to beat Adam Cole when Adam Cole is representing the Undisputed Era? This group has to work together as a unit. You've almost got shades of what you wanted to do with the Nexus, except you're not tearing apart the ring. You're not recruiting new members. This is the Undisputed Era selfishly making it about themselves and changing the culture for the better, but clearly doing this for their own benefit. So now as you head towards SummerSlam, you start building up two big title matches on SmackDown. You've got AJ Styles versus Roderick Strong Strong versus Matt Riddle in a triple threat for the Intercontinental Championship, which, I mean, come on. An indie wrestling fan letting you know that this year at SummerSlam, the Intercontinental Championship match is Roddy Strong versus Matt Riddle versus AJ Styles. How is your mind not being blown at that point? And then you've got your WWE Championship match where it's Adam Cole versus Braun Strowman because he will not leave Braun Strowman alone. And by the way, every segment that's about the Intercontinental Championship and Roderick Strong, all four members of the Undisputed Era are there. Every moment where it's about the WWE Championship and Adam Cole, all four members of the Undisputed Era are there. Because we get that feeling where we know, of course, Adam Cole is the boss. 
And if any of them is going to be champion of the world, it's going to be Adam Cole. And if any of them is going to be secondary champion, it's going to be Roderick Strong. And if any of them are going to be tag team champions, it's going to be Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. We all know what the roles are, but there is no dissension. There is no one person making the orders you guys follow. The Undisputed Era works as a unit completely. They're brothers. They know each other like the back of their hands. Okay? This is not one of those things where we're going to build tension in the ranks where, well, Roderick Strong really wants the, uh, the WWE championship. Never. Never. Because we get to SummerSlam, and not only do we have Roderick Strong retaining, retaining the Intercontinental Championship by pinning Matt Riddle, but... Adam Cole wins the WWE Championship at SummerSlam. Do you understand? I, I know it's off the beaten path. I know we spent all this time building up uh, uh, Braun Strowman, and we've done this, and we've done that. Listen, we're living in unconventional times. Unconventional things have to happen. How are you going to get people to care? As How are you going to get as many people to care as humanly possible? You got to get them talking. And if all of a sudden SummerSlam happens and this group that the night of Extreme Rules, we didn't even know they were on the main roster. Now they're controlling the Intercontinental Championship and the WWE Championship. There's going to be a lot of people watching SummerSlam because behind, I would say it goes WrestleMania, then Royal Rumble, then SummerSlam. But SummerSlam is a pay-per-view that people watch that don't normally watch WWE. Wrestling fans from back in the day will turn on SummerSlam to watch it. It's a hot August night. There's nothing else going on. I watched SummerSlam when I was a kid. The SummerSlam brand name is enough to get people tuning in. If all of a sudden there's this new group that I haven't seen before, because I don't watch it. I don't even know what NXT is. I don't watch that stuff. But there's this new group that looks cool, that looks that feels different, that almost reminds you of like an old school Shawn Michaels type of vibe and their rebellious nature and their athleticism in the ring. And all of a sudden, they're taking everything over. You've got elements of Attitude Era Shawn Michaels. You've got elements of new school cool. You've got elements of, of feeling young. And you've also got elements of the NWO, of the Nexus, of every cool faction that was coming to disrupt, of D-Generation X. You've got all that in there. But it's all mixed together in a pot with a huge ingredient thrown in, which is it's current. It's now. It's not a dash of, it's a heaping helping of relevance that you throw into that stew. And that's what you've got with the Undisputed Era. You come out of SummerSlam, with Adam Cole holding the WWE Championship high, with Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and Roderick Strong, who, by the way, is the Intercontinental Champion, holding that man on their shoulders, and that's how you end SummerSlam, everybody watching SummerSlam is turning on Fox and more because that picture is going to be on Twitter. That picture will probably end up in the New York Post. Maybe not in the hard newspaper edition, but at least on the website. Word of the fact that Adam Cole won the WWE Championship at SummerSlam will spread. And people will turn on Fox on Friday to see what this Adam Cole character is all about. And that's where you start running. Now you've got, you, you, you've built this whole thing. You got Braun Strowman who wants a return match, right? And there's a million ways you could do a return match. You've got a cage match, right? to keep the Undisputed Era out. A cage match. Well, that didn't work because they jumped in through the top. Let's make it a hell in a cell. Let's do a ladder match. Let's do a lumberjack match. There's a thousand different ways you could do Braun Strowman versus Adam Cole that actually makes sense. Then you could move on. You got all these athletic guys. You can move on to AJ Styles wanting a piece of Adam Cole's ass for everything the Undisputed Era did to him. You got Daniel Bryan, who's sitting there going, you guys are the change? I'm the one that made it possible for you guys to be here. I'm the one that already changed everything. 
and Adam Cole and the rest of the Undisputed Era going, no, Daniel Bryan, you didn't change anything. You tried and you failed. Now you got Adam Cole versus Daniel Bryan in a WWE championship conversation. I'm telling you, you keep Adam Cole surrounded by those three guys and any shortcomings of Adam Cole not being the biggest guy in the world goes away because it gets replaced by the help that those three guys can give him and it gets replaced by the cool factor. People said the exact same thing about Shawn Michaels because Shawn Michaels had that size differential when he wanted to be the guy. Because when now everybody's 6'3", and Adam Cole is however tall Adam Cole is. Back then, everybody was 6'6", and Sean was six foot. But guess what? It didn't matter, because people wanted to see Shawn Michaels, because they found a way to tell the story, and because at the end of the day, people wanted to see Shawn Michaels, because he was doing something that other people couldn't do. He was better than everybody else. And Adam Cole and the entire Undisputed Era act, the reason that people are so attracted to that act is because they are better than everybody else. That group of four wrestlers is the best group you could possibly assemble in wrestling right now. And it is time to cash in on that. It is time to take advantage of that. We have done everything we possibly can with the Undisputed Era. I am not interested in... Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly going on another quest for the tag team championships in NXT. I am not interested in Roderick Strong throwing his name in the hat to get the United States championship back. And I am not interested in Adam Cole trying to get the NXT championship back. I'm not interested. He did it already. He did it for 400 days. Hell of a run, kid. What's next? I'll tell you what's next. The WWE championship. Then... Then, after SummerSlam, you've got all this stuff going on where Braun Strowman has 100 return matches with different stipulations, if that's what you want to do. I would probably do two. I'd probably do a cage match and a ladder match, maybe a Hell in a Cell match. And then after that, you've already gotten yourself to the Royal Rumble. Or at least Survivor Series. More likely Survivor Series. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. But you can get to Survivor Series with Braun Strowman. And then Braun Strowman can move on to the next thing. You know? You can do The Fiend versus somebody else. A world can exist where The Fiend doesn't have to touch the Undisputed Era. We don't even have to go there yet. We'll get there eventually. I want to see The Fiend versus Matt Riddle. I want to see The Fiend versus AJ Styles. Like there's, there's other guys for The Fiend to work with over there that can be successful. And still be a top tier. If you're looking, if you've got, okay, if you've got a show where it's, it's, I mean, Roderick Strong versus Jeff Hardy for the Intercontinental title. AJ Styles versus Adam Cole for the WWE Championship. Matt Riddle versus The Fiend in a clash of styles. I, come on. You don't want to see the fiend biting off Matt Riddle's toes? I do. I do. But man, I mean, to me, it is just a slam dunk 150% of the time to have the Undisputed Era show up on SmackDown. Because then you've also got this scenario where Roderick Strong won the Intercontinental Championship literally next week on SmackDown. The Friday night after Extreme Rules. Roderick Strong won the Intercontinental Championship and nobody can get it off him because he's flanked by the Undisputed Era. We went to SummerSlam. Adam Cole is now the WWE Champion. Nobody can get it off him. Well, guess what? You've now got an Undisputed Era that wants to repeat what they did in NXT. Coming off of SmackDown, I mean, coming off of SummerSlam, you've got Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly eyeing up the New Day, something fierce. And now, now what you've done to the tag team championship is you have developed this match by waiting, by waiting until after Roderick Strong already is the Intercontinental Champion and by waiting until after Adam Cole already is the WWE Champion. Because you're not only, by the way, sitting here going like, this is about the Undisputed Era being the best. You're sitting there and the battle now becomes, is NXT as good as they say they are? Because these four guys are sitting here saying NXT is better than SmackDown. And we're going to prove it without saying it. You never actually say that, but that's what you're fighting for. 
now because Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly are looking at fulfilling destiny and because the New Day is sitting here going like, oh, that's really cute. The, the Undisputed Era has been around as a group for a long time. We're the longest running faction in WWE history. We've won the Tag Team Championships more time than God. And they have won the Tag Team Championships because they won it on Raw. They won it on SmackDown, two different championships. So now you've got a Tag Team Championship match that is main event caliber because there is so much on the line because you can't call it. And that's what you want to build in any of these divisions. And, you know, you don't have to put the tag title, by the way, on Bobby Fish. I mean, on yeah, on Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. You don't have to. You could. You don't have to. I'm not looking at a show where the Undisputed Era controls everything. It's not necessary. I want the Intercontinental title on Roderick Strong to start because it adds instant credibility to the Undisputed Era, but also because it acts as that swerve. The, the Friday after Extreme Rules, when Roderick Strong wins that Intercontinental Championship at 8.59 p.m., you think, oh, I guess the Undisputed Era is here for the Intercontinental Championship. And it creates that swerve that when the Era interrupts the Braun Strowman promo at the end of the night, you're like, oh, my God, I didn't see that coming. And when Adam Cole wins the WWE Championship, even though Roderick Strong already is the Intercontinental Championship, that's when you go, holy crap, this is serious. WWE is not playing with us with this Undisputed Era thing. That's what's going on in my mind. You can hit me up on Twitter at NotSam uh, and let me know what you think. Of course, the Discord room has been super active. If you want to be a member, uh, if you want access to our Discord room, join us on Patreon. Become a NotSam shill at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. And we will see you, if we don't see you on Thursday on Patreon, we'll see you next week for episode 300, Monday morning, right here on Not Sam Wrestling. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been... Not Sam Wrestling.